welcome to the Clerk Commute Podcast. Where we discuss clerkship content, share up-to-date research, work through interesting cases, and gather position advice for your next rotation. Good morning, clerks. Welcome back to another episode of the Clerk Commute. Today, we have the privilege of inter- interviewing Dr. Yanagawa, Division Head and Program Director of Cardiovascular Surgery at St. Michael's Hospital, an Associate Professor in the Department of Medicine at the University of Toronto. Dr. Yanagawa completed his residency training at the University of Toronto and Innova Fairfax Hospital, in addition to an Advanced Valvular Fellowship at Mount Sinai Hospital in New York. His research training includes a PhD from the University of British Columbia and postdoc fellowships at the University of Wales College of Medicine in the UK and National Cardiovascular Centre in Japan. His clinical focus is surgical revascularization and surgery for infective endocarditis. Dr. Yanagawa's research interests include clinical outcome studies in ischemic and valvular heart disease. Thank you for joining us today on the podcast, Dr. Yanagawa. We are so excited to have you. Yeah, it's a pleasure. Thank you. Look forward to it. So before we get into our questions today, first, if we could have you tell us a little bit about your path to um, choosing cardiac surgery. Oh, yeah, it's a good question. Um, it's a, That's a good question. So um, I would say that uh, my father had coronary disease at a very early stage in his life, and uh, he actually had bypass surgery uh, quite early. He was in his late 40s, early 50s. And so um, I think that's just how it goes. You know, someone in your family has been affected. It kind of stays with you. It gets programmed in your head somewhere. And then um, uh, I end up going to medicine and uh, I was thinking about uh, what I'd like to do. And um, the heart is kind of simple. It's just a pump. It just really pumps blood. So it's kind of a simple organ. I like that. It's good for someone with a simple mind like myself. <laughs> and I like surgery because it's, it's um, the outcomes are immediate. Um, it's a combination of using your brains, but also your fingers and your sort of technical skills. And so that really appealed to me. And the outcomes are immediate. So, you know, if you operate successfully, the patient will do well. If you don't, the patient will not. And there's no hiding. Um, we call the, well, I call the operating room the chamber of truth. So there's no faking it until you make it. Either you can do it or you can't. So I like that aspect of it, the, the acuity of it and the challenge. So the whole thing kind of wrapped up together and I ended up going to cardiac surgery. The, the field just really appealed to me in so many ways. Yeah, it's amazing. I definitely don't know if... Uh... At this stage, I would say the heart is simple, but I'm sure maybe for you now it is a little bit more. Um, so thank you for telling us a little bit about your journey. So getting into some of our questions um, for our, our listeners who are pre-clerkship and clerkship students. So what, in your opinion, um, is your expectations of a clerk on their surgery block? And what are some things that they can do to stand out? That's a good question. So for us, we have uh, we definitely have clerks both as selectives and electives. So we have people who um, they're kind of uh, put into cardiac surgery as part of their surgical rotations. And then we have people who really want to do cardiac surgery. Um, For all of them, cardiac surgery is pretty high intensity medicine. Um, There's not a lot of room for error. So 
our elected our clerks um i would say is for them it's mostly an educational experience in other words we don't really rely on them for service so it's in a sense it's kind of good so you come to our service and everything uh, everything you're doing is for your own learning so um my expectation is that you you take that opportunity and it doesn't matter if you're going to be an internist or a family doctor or an anesthesiologist or a heart surgeon, you're going to see patients with heart surgery. So it's a really nice experience to say, to, to see what a bypass is, to feel the bypasses, to feel the heart, uh, to, to see what an aortic valve replacement is. Wow. And um, I think, it, you know, it's, it's a wonderful experience to get that hands-on experience. And you know, many years later, you may look back and even if you're a nephrologist, you'll have a patient with heart surgery with a bypass, you'll say, oh, I remember I actually saw a bypass. I know exactly what you had. So my expectation is that, you know, you're professional, like all the usual things, very important. You know, you treat everyone nicely, like the nurses and the PAs and the other learners and the surgeons, and you're just respectful. Um, number that would be number two. Number three, I expect you to show up on time. So you say, well, of course, you're going to show up on time. But, you know, in life, it's really amazing. These simple things, showing up on time, saying thank you and please and being respectful. These are the things that um, are really going to are really actually quite important. And if you could do those simple things, then the other complicated things will come. Um, I expect clerks to learn something new every day. So I really, I always say to them, you know, you know, try to learn three new things a day. doesn't matter what it is. You know, just don't waste your time just standing there. Always trying to, you know, look at the chart. If there's a medication you don't know, look it up, Google it. You know, if there's some little thing you don't know, figure it out. And, you know, if you learn three new things every day and you're on service for, I don't know, 20, 30 days, I mean, it could be. 90 new things you know that's a lot you know those add up um so that's what i would expect um as the basics um and then you know if you do something that if you're asked to do something just do the thing you know and then follow up say i did this if you're going to communicate close the communication so very very basic things so don't leave things hanging and then um, I guess the last thing is just be honest, you know? So if, um, if someone asks you, oh, do you know what the, did you look at the chest X-ray or do you know what the potassium is? And I don't know where it is. Just say, you know what? I don't even know what it is. Uh, and say, I'll look it up. So don't make it up. Be honest. All those basic, basic, basic things um, I think are really important. So th those are the things that I would expect. If you really want to stand out I mean, you could read around your cases. I think that's the next level. Uh, everyone sort of says that. Um, and um, if you really want to stand out, you know, the other thing you can do is, it's really important is to have a sense of, situ of, the, of situational awareness. So the operating room, um, there's different cultures in different people's operating room. The culture stems from the top generally. So know what this group is or the organization or the, or the room is you're entering into. Is our people jovial? Are people chit-chatting? Are people super serious? Is it quiet? Is there music? Like, kind of get a sense of the culture and blend in. Um, 
And the thing with the operating room and the heart surgery operating in, in cardiac surgery operating room is things can change really quickly. So we can be kind of, you know, um, chatting a bit and everything's going to relax. And in one second, everyone is super serious because something that something happened that we have to fix. So just be aware of what's going on, you know, what the culture is and blend in. So I think that would be important. Absolutely. Thank you. That's a lot of great advice. I really like, especially kind of focusing on learning three new things a day, because you're definitely right at the end of a, a whole elective that really builds up into a lot of new knowledge. So I really like that. So thank you. Um, so our next question is, what are some of the basic skills that someone who's interested in surgery um, might want to have before they're starting their elective rotation with you? Yeah, so if let's say you're really interested in surgery, um, the things that you could do are so from a knowledge point of view, you could study around the case that's going to be presented and or operate on or, or 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 and have a little bit of knowledge around that. Um, that's helpful. And then from a technical standpoint, if you say, you know, I really want to do surgery, you can work on your technical skills. So when I was a clerk, I knew I wanted to be a heart surgeon. So I spent hundreds of hours not tying. You can get strings. I mean, you can get a spool of thread at uh, this, the thread store <laughs> for, I don't know, $3. And you can spend, you could do not tying until, you know, you could just watch Netflix and not tie, not tie, not tie. I spent hundreds of hours not tying. And you could be, you can get some real expertise in that. You can get some old uh, needle driver and thread or some old sutures from the OR. You can ask the nurse for some and just practice sewing things together. So um, those kind of things can really make a huge difference. And you'll be amazed. So let's just say that you do all those things and you, you, you really can tie knots in, a, in an incredibly efficient fashion, then you know, someday, one day in the OR, someone's going to give you this knot to tie and you're going to bang it out like really elegantly. And then um, you don't even have to tell them you were practicing and say, you know, it was just easy to do. <laughs> and you're going to develop this uh, reputation like, oh, this, uh, this young lady uh, can really tie knots. Like she is really good with her hands. She's going to be a heart, you know, you should be a heart surgeon, you know, that kind of thing. So, you know, you'd be amazed at what little, you know, some little practice here and there can give you an early advantage when then that creates this sort of this reputation or this image of you being sort of a quote unquote surgeon. So those kind of, um, you know, our field is technical still. Um, so practicing those little technical skills can make a huge difference. That can make you stand out. Absolutely. Thank you. That's great advice. Um, and so I know you mentioned a little bit in one of our previous questions that because cardiac surgery um, is a little bit more of a delicate specialty that clerks aren't necessarily involved in kind of the direct care in the operating room. Um, but is there anything that clerks can do, any important tasks they can do during their rotation to help out the surgical team as a whole? Yeah, that's a good question. Um, there are hundreds of little things that you can do. It's just observing the team, observing the room and doing all those things that need to be done. And I still do those things today. So whenever you join a group, you should spend some time observing and watching. What are people doing? How are they moving? 
Um, what's the process like? And you could start by doing simple things, you know, helping the, the nurse take the, bring the bed in and out, prepping the patient, you know, um, little things, you know, a little piece of something on the floor, pick it up, put it away, tidy things up, you know, amazing. You say, you know, I do all those things today. So I do things like that because I want the team to know that I'm, I'll do anything to, I'll do, I'm willing to do anything that I can do to help the team. Nothing is below me. And, uh, and I, and I, res I respect everyone's job, you know, and, uh, and I want to help make the room go as smoothly as possible. So that's what's called servant leadership. Now your stage, not yet quite a leader, but you will be soon. And it's good to practice those servant leadership skills. It really goes a long way to show the team that you're, you're a team player. Outside of that, um, you know, and then you can just really move that forward. So is it, um, so understand, maybe you can write the OR note. Um, maybe you can um, put the orders in. I don't know, I'm just making things up. Maybe um, in the operating room, as you're, as you're watching the flow of the operation, you notice that um, uh, these sutures, these specific sutures need to be held in a specific way. And so you do that. So whatever it is, it's just observing what the regular protocol is for the room and making sure that, uh, that it goes a little bit smoother because you're there. The only other thing I'd say is that when you're in the operating room and you decide that you want to do something, um, and this is true of surgeons and trainees and clerks, you know, if you decide to move your hands, um, it could be, uh, you could be making things go smoother or you could be a net negative and make things harder and just get in the way, or you could be neutral. So always try to do things that'll make things go smoother, uh, or be neutral. Try not to get in the way. And again, that's just a little difficult, you know, it's, it's, uh, it's, it's a little bit of uh, trial and error, but um, uh, you can think about that sort of thing. You know, the surgeon will, the surgery will, there's a certain protocol or certain uh, cadence to the surgery. So you want to, again, um, whatever you do, you want to be part of that. You want to be a part of that same flow and not interrupt the flow. But try to be positive. Try to do something that help. That's helpful, but not hindering. It's a fun game. You'll figure it out. Yeah. Hopefully, it's more trial and less error. <laughs> yeah. I really appreciate these tips. I think they'll be helpful for students in any surgical rotation that they're doing. And uh, next, I was wondering if briefly you could give kind of the percentage breakdown of how much of your. Um, career you spend doing research, how much of it is clinical, how much is education? Yeah, that's a good question. So today, what I'm doing is quite different than when I was doing five years ago. So I've been on staff seven years now at St. Mike's. And the third year, I became the program director. I'm now the division head in my seventh year. So today, what I do is I do a full caseload of operating, as do my other partners. And um, I've taken a, a, a leadership track. So what does that mean? I decided that I want to lead. And um, so I, I spend a fair bit of time in meetings, 
thinking about um, day-to-day issues, triaging day-to-day problems, and then also taking some time to think about where strategically we want to be in the short term and then the, in the far term. And looking ahead at um, um, threats to our service, when I say threats, I mean sort of overall changes, directions, and maybe even little threats, you know, both small and existential. So I, I, I think about strategy. As a leader, you know, five years ago, I would have been, I would have said that I do a fair bit of research and a fair bit of teaching. As a program director, I do a fair bit of teaching now. But as a leader, I'm essentially saying I'm going to commit my professional sort of efforts to the success of my partners. So if you want to be a leader, you want to say it's it's ideally you say I'm going to be a I'm going to serve the group. That's kind of servant leadership, and I'm going to commit um, all of my efforts and my energy for the success of the group and my partners. Um, and so that's that's where I am at this stage. Um, the other thing I do is I'm still educating myself. So I'm sort of mid career, I suppose. Um, but I want to learn. I'm just like you. I'm a learner. So I took um, a course this year on Indigenous health and history and culture. I took a course this year on equity, diversity, inclusion at Cornell. Um, I'm taking a course next year on environmental sustainability. Um, I constantly do courses on... um, I guess what you would call um, conflict resolution. So I'm constantly trying to improve my skills as a leader and as a professional. And I take about, I take some commitment in that, but it's busy, you know, it's, it's just, but I'm currently basically doing clinical work, leadership, a little bit of research and some teaching. Got it. That's really interesting to hear what the title of division head actually entails. And with all these responsibilities on now your leadership and um, teaching on top of the your surgical practice, do you have any um, tips or advice on how you find balance with that and kind of find work-life balance at this point in your career? Yeah, I mean, it's a good question. And uh, I'm just going to give you my take. This is just one person's opinion. So I find that a lot of people ask me about work-life balance. So... If that's important to you, then you should seek that. Um, And you can definitely be a heart surgeon with work-life balance. I would say for me, work-life balance is a little bit less important. Um, My, I I work uh, hard. I have this, I've been given this opportunity. I'm only going to be a heart surgeon for a few years. It's a very short life, you know. It's a very short time that I've been given um, to make a difference, to achieve something. So, uh, for me, um, uh, you know, I, I, uh, I spend a reasonable amount of time with my family, although not, I wouldn't say a lot. And, uh, I, I have, uh, rel- friendship relationships that I cultivate and I do things outside of medicine, such as, you know, I, I, I do mitt work boxing and I run a bit. But most of the time, that I, most of my time is spent focused on my work, my clinical work, academic work, and leadership. And I'm okay with that. 
So that's my balance. My balance is not much balance. Maybe my life will change in different stages, but for me, I, this was what makes me very happy. That's just one person's opinion. You no, know, that's just one person's way. That's just the way I've crafted my life. Um, many, you can be a heart surgeon and uh, not do as much teaching, not do as much research, not do much clinical work and have some kind of balance and do things out completely outside the hospital, such as spend time with the family or in a hobby or et cetera. So our profession is changing. Um, you don't have to commit your entire life to it. Um, you can craft your life in, um, um, in, in different ways. So I think it's becoming um, more accessible for, to a greater number of people. Great, thank you for sharing that and for sharing your perspective. And we have one final question for you. Yeah. Um, how do you see the practice in the field of cardiac surgery changing over the next 20 years? 20 years? That's a lot. Maybe 10 years. <laughs> 10 years? Yeah. You know, um, so if I look right at cardiac surgery, I'm going to say in 10, 20 years, we're going kind of in a bimodal fashion. So in one sense, we're going... Uh, uh, minimally invasive. So we're moving towards structural heart transcatheter approach of fixing hearts. We're doing, we're making smaller incisions and we're going mini, mini, mini and minimally invasive and mini uh, incision. And uh, uh, that's one, one aspect of it. The other side is we're going maximally invasive. So um, we're also we're also going to have you know people are getting older, they're getting sicker, they get endocarditis, more stuff's going wrong. Like they're going to have people who uh, are on the completely other end of the spectrum that need salvage, sort of heroic, massive operations, and we're going to need people to do those kind of operations. You know, reconstructing this, reconstructing that, and um, and doing uh, very very high end tailored operations that require extraordinary precision and skill um, and expertise. So that's one thing. But then if you say, well, what, you know, you can't just be a, a doctor, a heart surgeon, just know what's in your immediate wheelhouse. It, it really uh, is important to know what's happening in the world. So what is happening in the world? Um, you know, the world is becoming more equitable and more diverse. The world is getting smaller. You know, we're at web 3.0. We have artificial intelligence and machine learning on the horizon, and that's going to be part of all of medicine. Um, we have, um, you know, real issues of sustainability, you know, net zero and real zero, which is big in the corporate world, is going to be important for any kind of anyone in, acad in academia, at the university level, at hospital level. So... Uh, one really has to understand these large shifts in our world and they will have impacts on our life. You know, there's a war in Ukraine right now and it's affecting supply chain issues and, you know, around the world. Uh, COVID pandemic, of course, has affected everything and it affects our patients, the way we operate, our supply chains, uh, our personnel. So those have real consequences. So I do think it's important to understand what's happening globally 
And uh, because these will affect our practice indirectly or directly. That's not really an answer, but you know, <laughs> you know, all of those things I mentioned are going to be impacting heart surgery. Absolutely. No, it definitely is an answer. And those are all great things to think about. So thank you for sharing. Um, those are all the questions that we have for you today. Thank you so much for taking the time out of your very busy schedule to speak with us. We really enjoyed talking with you today. All right. Thanks. It was a pleasure and I uh, wish you all the best and hope you got something out of it. Thank you for listening to another episode of the Clerk Commute podcast. Catch you in your next commute.